0: Fans, It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher Ryan Abraham.
1: Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 34 of the Peristyle Podcast. Each week on the Peristyle Podcast, we give you the latest and greatest of USC Trojan football. In the first segment, as always, we are joined by the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, what's going on?
2: Ryan, everything's going on. I'm going to tell you, you're going on. uh, The football season, of course, we have to learn to enjoy it because it comes and goes so fast. And uh, I like doing it. 34. I can't believe this episode 34. Wow.
1: We're just moving right along.
2: Yeah, we are. I'm going to tell you, wow, as you said, wow, this week I'm going to stay a little bit more calm. Okay. okay.
1: Yeah, Last week uh, we got a little emotion out of you.
2: Well, you got me fired up, and I was a little <laughs> fired up after the Oregon State game, and I think Coach Carroll got a little fired up too at his coaches and got fired up at his team. And I think that's why they came out and played a better football game. Uh, this past weekend, it uh, dominated uh, Oregon. Is a team that's been averaging what? Uh, they have 16 total hundred yards, 1600 yards in rushing, and they have two rushers that are averaging. Well, one scored eight touchdown, Blunt, and the other scored six touchdowns, and they get total yards, 60 yards total rushing.
1: It was complete domination up front there by USC. It was pretty uh, yep, pretty. Crazy. It happened. All right. Well, anyone out there, if you have a question for us, you can always drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. You can always post messages on the message board on uscfootball.com. And before we get into the segment, just wanted to talk about our sponsor a little bit. Thank you very much to our sponsor for this segment, Southern California Tickets. Check out sctickets.com, 1 800 888. 7287 if you need tickets for concerts, sporting events, a theater, and, of course, USC plays Arizona State this weekend at the Coliseum, 1230 kickoff times, one of those early kickoff times. If anyone out there, if you need tickets, definitely check out sctickets.com.
2: That's what they should do, because when I ever need a ticket, that's where I go. And I'll tell you I like to say, he does a great job for us.
1: Definitely. Thank you very much to our sponsor. It's nice to make this podcast possible. We've been going, like you said, 34 different episodes now, and uh, we're about a quarter of the way through the season, Coach, and that it's just kind of strange to see two weeks ago how fall flat on their face against Oregon State and then completely outplay Oregon last week at the Coliseum.
2: Yeah, they did do that. Uh, And, you know, uh, at the beginning of the game when Oregon got the ball and drove 72 yards for their first score, got 43 yards of the rushing of the total 60 they got in that first drive, I was saying, wow, here we go again. And then all of a sudden, uh, they calmed down. I think they're a little tight offensively, especially defensively. Mark was off a little bit, Sanchez, on his early passing. But they settled down, and when they settled down and found out what Oregon was doing defensively, and Ellison, what a great game he he did. They put him in the box and made 11 tackles and so on and really shut down the running game and forced him to pass the football. That's something that Oregon didn't want to do. Then SC defensively took control of the game. But let, let me tell you, I really think what really took control of the game was the offensive side of the football because they scored and they had big plays and they kept also the Oregon offense off the field. If Oregon would have been able to go out there and SC was just going three downs and out, three downs and out, they would have been able to get something going but they weren't able to do that, but the offense came back and scored and got back in the game and took the lead. And the offense became a big play offense this past weekend. I mean, you got big plays out of Williams, big plays out of Johnson, big plays out of Sanchez, big a super run. Remind me of the run that OJ Simpson and Reggie Bush did. Uh, Stephon Johnson's toss to the left with the way he broke back, broke back and so on uh, across the field for a touchdown. So, the big play offense, this is what I've named it now, the big play offense really did come through with their great athletes and make some big plays and really kept the game in control with the ability they were able to score.
1: I agree with you, Coach. I think they only
2: paid, punted one time, didn't they?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think it was that effective of a punt. They have, <laughs> but, no. yeah, they, they have only punted one time in that game. That's pretty – pretty crazy. And I think it was important, too, that they scored on their first drive, even though it was a field goal. Well, actually, I'm going to talk in the next segment about that with uh, Dan Wykey, our beat writer. He put a nice story up there about that, how it was important for the defense that USC actually scored on the first possession, unlike up at Oregon State, where they they went three and out the first couple of times, and the defense really didn't have time to adjust.
2: No, I agree with that, too. And, you know, uh, Beeler's really a great player. Uh, clutch kicker. I, I really like him. I, I, I gave them a special award, special honorable mentions when I picked the offense and defense and special teams this this week, and i tell you, he, he just does a great job. He's he's Mr. Clutch. I'll tell you, he comes in, he kicks field goals. I think he kicked three field goals. He doesn't miss any extra points, uh, and when he's on the kickoff uh, team, he's another athlete out there. I mean, big kid, runs well, does everything, and I think he was coming off of a uh, a little bit of an injury. He had strained his leg a little bit, but didn't seem to bother him at all. Puts the ball in the end zone almost every time. Uh, you know, I think USC's really got a a, a great, uh, you know, field goal and extra point guy in, in Beeler.
1: Yeah, Beeler is funny because he looks like a regular football player. He doesn't look oh, like yeah. a kicker. And uh, we we did a story a while back with Damian Williams and, and and Beeler. They both were number 18. And Damian Williams was paying him so many compliments. And, uh, just because, you know, he he looks like he'd just be a regular position player. I mean, he used to play safety. He would play some fullback all over the place. I want to see, Coach, I want to see someone kind of break away, break one of those kickoff returns and have only Beeler in the way and see if he can make the play. I think it would be pretty – he could make some spectacular hits out there because he is a great athlete.
2: He is a great athlete. He runs about 4'6", four, 4'7". Four, and, uh, yeah, he was a, an all-conference player at Santa Ana Junior College. And he's a, he's, a, he's a great player. I'll tell you uh, – he could play regularly, but of course Coach Carroll doesn't want him to play regularly because he doesn't want anything to happen to him and then lose a great kicker. I think he'll be able to play in the NFL. I really do.
1: He's definitely got the leg strength for that. Um, Coach, one thing you brought up is uh, when you said Kevin Ellison had 11 tackles. Like, I think he finished 11 tackles like just almost in the first quarter, a little bit into the second quarter, and just ended up, I think, with 12 for the game. A lot of assists, tackle assists in this game, if you look at the stat sheet, there wasn't as many solo tackles. What does that tell you as a coach? I mean, I was watching from the sidelines there was a lot it seemed to me there was a lot of swarming to the ball and there was you know multiple tacklers at the point of attack
2: there was and uh I'll tell you whenever you try to run outside of an F.C., you can't do that because they have so much team speed and 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 i think uh, uh I think they got a little bit more pursuit out of the the middle linebacker in Cushing. I think he really played a great game in the middle i mean i think I really think that when he goes to the NFL he could be a middle linebacker. I mean, he really played that. for his first game at middle linebacker the entire game, he was all over the field. I mean, he really had a great game. He was able to go right, left and sign to do different things. But, you know, it wasn't just all cushion, Brian. It was it was the defense in itself. They swarmed, they played good football, they hit they tackled so much better than what they tackled against Oregon State. It was the type of football team, the the defensive type of football team that we have been expecting the entire year. The time, to, the type to play it against Ohio State, the type to play against Virginia, and the type that I didn't know who was there at Oregon State. <laughs> so, so, but this is what we expect, and that's what you want from this type of team. It isn't a it, you know when one guy makes a tackle all the time, especially if it's a secondary guy or a linebacker all the time. Then there's something wrong because that means the guy's getting down the field. They're making yards, but when defensive linemen are making tackles too and they're playing on their side of the football, then you know, then that means uh, it, it, that you're getting after people. You're taking away the daylight. You're 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 making them hesitate before they get started, and that's what it's all about on defense.
1: Yeah, they definitely did that. I mean, you can't there's you can't discount the effort that was put forth there, even with the changes they made. I mean, you talked about Cushing moving over. The middle linebacker, uh, you know, Mike Morgan did a nice job, strong side, even though he was only in there for a half. I wanted to mention, though, on the defensive line, I mean, there was a couple of new positions there. Uh, Averill Spicer had those two personal foul penalties and was benched. Um, you know, Christian Tupou was was put in there and, uh, you know, Jarrell Casey got some time in there as well. It looks like Spicer might have lost his job, at least for the next few weeks or so. And, and, and Clay Matthews came over from the strong side linebacker spot and moved up, played that rush defensive end. I think it lit a fire a little bit under Everson Griffin, but we can talk about that in a little bit. Wanted to see your thoughts on the whole, you know, what, what Pete Carroll did, based, especially with Avril Spicer and uh, taking away his job.
2: Well, I'll tell you, you know, you can tolerate one possible personal penalty. You don't want to tolerate any, okay? Well, when you have two, when you have two, you know that then you're losing control. You've lost control, and you're hurting your team completely. And uh, you've got to be able to keep your composure, and he wasn't able to do that at Oregon State. And if you're USC and you have the type of players they do backing you up, you obviously don't want to do anything like that because Pete Carroll or Nick Holt, the defensive line coach and defensive coordinator, can sit you down or saying, hey, we don't need you on the field. You cost us 30 yards, and you cost us a touchdown. You can't, not specifically, but you added those yardage to the uh, the output of their offense. So, you know, you can't do that. And when you have Casey and you have other players like that that can play your position, uh, then you can't screw up. I've known a lot of players, not just at SC, Ohio State, and Michigan, when they have great players, you know, that do something that's stupid and may never get back on the field again because the person that's waiting there, goes in and does such a great job of replacing that individual, they say, we don't need to take a chance. This guy got his opportunity and performed, and that's what great competition is. Like Clay Matthews, when I saw Griffin come in the game on Saturday, he was flying around. That kid was (laughs) flying around because he knew that they could make that change, and yes, they would miss him, but it wouldn't drop off. Because Clay's a great player. So by having a lot of great players around you can make these changes and all of a sudden Spicer now is third club. Can you imagine from starting the first two games to doing two personal foul penalties in the Oregon State team, beating Oregon and now being third club. I mean the, you're sort of going the wrong way here. I wonder if he'll make the traveling team.
1: Yeah, that's that's got to be rough. I mean, you you know, you work so hard in the off season and you make a couple of mistakes, but I, I think Carroll will let him compete too and get back at it. And if, uh, you know, maybe he gets some later playing time in this game instead of early playing time, and it can impress him just like Everson Griffin did. I mean, Griffin got a sack in that game. Like you said, he was flying around. And I, I think that kind of helped his case in the coach's eyes that, hey, coach, I'm here to play. I want to work hard. And I want to get more done on defense.
2: You're exactly right. Because I made that comment. I don't know if I made a comment on our, your show, but I made a comment on, on other shows and maybe our shows, my shows, that Griffin and Moore disappeared against Oregon State. I'm not sure if they made the trip. <laughs> I, I, I mean, they just disappeared. And Coach Carroll knew that too. And Coach Carroll says, hey, I've got to have guys that make plays. That makes big plays. And you always hear about playmakers, guys that make big plays, guys that come through when the the chips are down and it's tough. And these guys weren't coming through. So, you know, they made some changes. And this last week they had some success with it.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. Blowout win, Coach. One problem that still is out there is the penalty problem. And, and you know, they had a lot of, Fifteen yard penalties. Yeah, there was one. The, I mean, a couple of them in the last uh, drive of the game when a lot of the reserves came in, which probably isn't a good sign. If the if the current team is getting uh, committing a lot of penalties, and the future team is, seems to be committing a lot of penalties too. But even the touchdown that Oregon scored, it was a field goal until you know they they roughed the holder, not rough the kicker. They roughed the holder, and then they give him uh, another chance, and they score a touchdown on that. So I mean, it's like the second week in a row where you've. You know, had the other team take points off the board in a field goal form and then put them on the board in a touchdown form.
2: Well, you know, to me, that's a different type of, of uh, that's not a personal foul, that's just misjudgment. I mean, you didn't rough the kicker, you rough the, hold, you rough the holder. And uh, that's just a- uh, aiming at the wrong area as far as blocking the field goal. And that's not smart football. And I'm sure this kid has been taught that over and over and over. You aim where the ball's going to be, you don't aim where he was. And, uh, yes, you're exactly right. That could have made a difference in the game if it was a close game. Uh, that could have cost them the game if they, if they needed a touchdown to win and, and so on. They got it. And, you, you know, you're very fortunate when you can teach on negative things and still be successful. FC had 114 yards in penalties. I mean, normally when you have 114 yards in penalties, you're getting beat. So when you get 114 yards in penalties and you still win 44 to 10, then you're pretty dominant. You're pretty darn good to overcome those type of penalties. So you're lucky you can teach from the negative and try to make it a positive. So I'm sure they're working this week more on angles and how to block punts as well as field goals and PATs. and and try to overcome the penalty situation. You know, a lot of times when you're really aggressive, especially on defense, you're going to have a few penalties. I hate to say this, you're going to have a few penalties. And later, when a team is getting beat bad like Oregon, there's a lot of chipping going on. And, Ryan, I don't know if you don't, there's a lot of talking that starts. Because Oregon was very disappointed. They came down 4-1. They thought they'd be able to beat a USC. And they got humiliated. So there's a lot of chipping going on, and these players know each other. It isn't like they don't know each other. They were recruited. They played against each other in high school. They see each other during the summer and so on. So sometimes some some things happen that shouldn't happen, and, you, and you're fortunate enough if you're on the winning side to be able to win and teach from it.
1: All right. Well, one last thing on the uh, big win over Oregon, Coach, and has to do with the quarterbacks. Obviously, Mark Sanchez went down. It looked pretty ugly. Ended up coming back in the game. But the play I want to talk about is when Mitch Mustaine came in, he ended up throwing that pick uh, when he first came in for Mark Sanchez. And then they let him air one out. And uh, I was a little upset at this just because I, I'm actually on the field filming. And all, for whatever reason, I was in good position for all the touchdowns that USC scored. I got all you know, great shots of all of them. Even, you know, uh, Stephon Johnson, he was hiding behind the line. I somehow followed him. He cut back. Came right into the end zone right where I was. So I got some good stuff of there. I was in perfect position to get this Mitch Mustaine bomb to David Osbury. But there was like two minutes left in the game. And I'm I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm going to leave this end zone and just walk to the other side. I'm sure they're not going to be uh, threatening to score here. They're probably just going to run out the clock. And as soon as I start walking down the sidelines, put my camera down, boom. Right over the top, he throws a perfect pass to David Osbury. You know, 60-something yard touchdown. Uh, you know, Mike Belotti made a couple comments that he wasn't too happy about that. What were your overall thoughts of... Letting Mitch Mustaine air that out, let the light in the game.
2: Well, first of all, right, see, now you lost. You 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 learned on something negative. Yes. You put your camera down.
1: <laughs> Shouldn't Don't have done be that. putting
2: your camera down, okay? Your game's not over till the game is over, okay? Got it, Coach. You, okay, buddy. You did, so you learned that. Secondly, I can see both sides of the picture. First of all, same thing that I was talking about. Now, Mike Bellotti, you know, down here in Southern California, Down, wanting to impress the recruits that are down and everything, coming down four and one with a feeling that you're going to get beat, being humiliated and so on, shutting down the running game, and then your second team quarterback comes into the game and uh, throws a touchdown pass on you a couple minutes left in the game. So if you're on the Oregon side of the field, you say, "Man." you didn't need to do that. I'm. All, you've already beat us. We've surrendered. I, you want me to throw a white towel on the field or, or what? I can't do that. But then again, I see Pete Carroll's side of it. I, I want you to know, and I think you got to let your players play. You can't penalize your players because you're better than the other team and you beat them. These kids have been working out all year, all spring, and so on. And if you put a Put Mitch Mustaine in the game with the receivers, a receiver that hadn't played, and you say, all right, kneel down. We're going to run the ball every time, down, stay in bounds. We're going to run the clock out. Yes, that's good sportsmanship. But these kids deserve an opportunity to play. These kids deserve an opportunity to get on film and show what they can do. And also, Sanchez is hurt. Mustaine's got to be able to get out there and do his thing and get a feel. And so I see Pete Carroll's side, and I would have done the same thing. Let them play, throw the ball, run the pitch, run your best plays, and let your backup people get a feel so you can teach on the film, and the video, and tape with these kids what was right, what was wrong. And and I've done the same thing. And I'm going to tell you, i got a good feeling watching Mustaine play. You know, and I want to sort of mention this because, you know, some players are not practice players. Some players are game players. I had some players that have played for me that in practice, they would fall down. (laughs) They couldn't even tie their shoes properly. (laughs) Or they'd tie their left shoe, shoe string with the right shoe, okay? They'd tie them together. But when it came game day, these guys could play. And Mustaine, you know, a lot of people have been saying, Oh, he's disappointed, he hadn't really done what he's supposed to do and so on. But when have we really saw him in a game situation where they let him go and play for a period of time? Hey, he's done it in big time football. And I and I thought I saw something there that I think he's a gamer. I think he's the type of guy to come in on game day, doesn't say much. But makes things happen. I'm really anxious to see him play more, and see if I'm right on that,
1: Ryan. Well, we might get a shot uh, this weekend at Arizona State. We're still unsure if uh, Sanchez is going to get the start. I don't think that anything that touchdown pass could only help his confidence. And like you said, he's you know he's eight zero, and the SEC as a starting quarterback. And yeah, he had McFadden and Felix Jones to hand the ball off to. But he was you know he, I think he knows how to win, and uh, he might get his chance this weekend. Uh, one last topic, Coach. One before we let you go. Um, Arizona State's been kind of in a uh, tailspin there. Ever since uh, your UNLV running Rebels beat them in Tempe, Arizona, they haven't won a game. Uh, What are your overall thoughts on ASU? and Are they going to be able to pull out of this anytime soon?
2: You know, I'm uh, disappointed in Arizona State. Why? Because I thought they'd be a better football team, and I had them ranked higher when I sort of put my poll together on media day when we were down there at wherever we were, the Hilton. And, you know, uh, I really think what's happened to Dennis Erickson and his team, I think they have Rudy Carpenter, who's a great football player, and they got some great skilled people, but I really think their offense and defensive lines have let them down. Uh, you know, I really think they're not protecting the quarterback well, they're not running the football well, people are moving the football on them. Uh, they didn't take UNLV serious. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, UNLV's... Not a bad football team, but, you know, they didn't really open it up against UNLV. They ran the football. They almost prepared like, hey, what we're going to do in this game is get our running game going. Instead of going in with an attitude that we're going to win this game, can't worry about getting our running game going. We better get into this game where we can win this football game. And then the next week, you know, you're in deep depression. And you've got Georgia coming in. Because everybody in town is throwing rocks at your car and everything else after losing to UNLV. And Dennis Erickson's practicing them hard and so on. And Georgia beats him. And that got him down. And then Cal comes in and beats him. And so, you know, they're starting to lose their confidence. But I think it comes down to the play of the line. We saw what happens to a team... When line play is not happening, when SC and Oregon State played. All right, I think that what happens with Arizona State, they just don't have the athletes to play line play, have the line play in offense and defense. SC does, it's just getting them to do it right. But I think they're trying to get them to do it right at Arizona State, but I think the line play, both offensively and defensively, is far below the caliber of what they thought they had
1: yeah I agree with you, coach. It's just it's not looking pretty there, and it, the, to fix that problem, the best thing you can do is not to come to the LA Coliseum and try to get better there. So we'll have to see what happens, Coach. We'll see you out there on Saturday. Thank you very much for joining us this segment and uh, sharing your thoughts on USC. It's always a pleasure, buddy. All right, everyone else, make sure you check out sctickets.com, especially if you need tickets this weekend to Arizona State, and we'll be back after this short break. And talk to USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Wyke. Stay tuned.
0: The Parastyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com, SC Tickets, Concerts, Sports, and Theater.
3: We now
0: return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham.
1: We're back with the Parastyle Podcast. In this segment, we're going to talk some USC football with uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Wykey. Dan, how are you doing today, man? Ryan, I'm doing great. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I just wanted to talk, give a little review of that Oregon game. I think one of the more interesting uh, pieces that I read after that game was something you wrote on the uh, the importance of that first offensive drive for USC. I think uh, typically when you see a opening drive of a game result in a field goal, it's not always like the best of news. But in this case, you felt it was really important for this team.
4: I really did. And, and first of all, thank you for the compliment. There. That's the nicest thing you've said to me in about a month.
1: A month? Probably six months, I would say.
4: <laughs> um, you know, the uh, – the way the way that Oregon moved the ball down the field that first drive, I, I, I thought it looked like Oregon State again. Um, the way they were running between the tackles, um, it, it didn't look like USC defensively was prepared for what Oregon was doing. And the fact that USC, when they got the ball after Oregon scored a touchdown, they were able to run plays, move the ball down the field, and put points on the board. I think it did two things. I think it gave the defense some confidence, you know, which player Calmore said, you know, it's a boost, um, you know, that they were a little demoralized when – and the offense did wasn't able to score, um, you know, early against Oregon State. So I think that those three points mattered in that regard. But then even more importantly, it gave the defense time to adjust to what Oregon was doing. Um, you know, Oregon was running a play that USC hadn't seen on film. They were they were doing a counter play out of the shotgun that they really they hadn't they hadn't done. And their linebackers were sliding towards the initial movement of the um the running back instead of instead of staying home and that was it was a simple adjustment, but it was they had time to look at it, they had time to talk about it, and they had to, they had time to fix it. After that first drive, Oregon looked awful offensively. USC defense dominated, and you know I, they
1: go on to win by thirty-four. I wonder why Oregon switched up and did something different since Oregon State did exactly what they did in practice, and that worked really well. So I wonder why Oregon even changed anything.
4: You know, I I, I don't know. I mean, it was uh, I mean, it was effective early. You know, the the, the key that I thought in that game was. One of the, I mean, LeGarrette Blount was one of the, the best rushers in the Pac-10. May even led the Pac-10 in rushing. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he um he was terrible against USC. <laughs> I mean, he he, uh, he was awful. I mean, he didn't rush for positive yardage. Yeah, He didn't you never seem problem. to find
1: any space. I mean, he never he could never get out of the clutches of the defensive lineman. It just seemed like he never got to break through and get into the you know that second level where you saw Jacquizz Rogers a week ago do that every play.
4: He couldn't get past the first level. I mean, he was. I, I he may have crossed the line of scrimmage once or twice. I mean, it was it was really dominating.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I mean, the defense definitely played a lot better. That's that's for certain. Uh, one of the keys I thought too, you just didn't see any kind of big plays against Oregon State offensively from Mark Sanchez and crew. I mean, so many throws were into the flat. Uh, everything short to the sidelines, and they really opened things up uh, against Oregon. And they did, I mean, he started hucking balls downfield. He missed that first one to Ronald Johnson, where they, it seemed a little anxious. I don't know if one guy went the wrong way or what, but they missed that one pretty badly. But after that, he was on the money.
4: Yeah. Mark threw that ball a little early is, um, is what I, I've been told. Um, I'm but yeah, no, I think a lot of that credit kind of goes to the offensive line and the running game. I mean, they were able to establish the run early. Um, you know, Oregon was, was playing, you know, eight guys in the box and, uh, They exploited it, you know. I mean, Ronald Johnson is is really, really blossomed, into a huge threat. I mean, he's more than just a deep route at this point. You know, he can go underneath. He can, you know, he can make plays on the ground like he did. He took an end around for 15 yards in that game, you know, and then he can run past your fastest defensive back and catch touchdown passes. I mean, you know, I think a lot of the credit for this passing game, and rightfully so, has gone two ways. I think it's gone to Mark and it's gone to Damien Williams, I think, or been you know, to, to the outside guy who's not there every day. I would think that, that you would say that those are the two biggest reasons why the passing game has been so effective. I think Ronald Johnson deserves a huge vote of credit for that, too, um, because his his ability to stretch the field and to be a threat whenever he's on the field has made things easier on guys like Patrick Turner and Damien Williams. I mean, when when you, your safeties have to respect what Ronald Johnson does, and they have to respect his vertical speed. It opens up underneath routes. It opens up stuff, in, you know, to the sidelines. I mean, it makes everything so much easier on, on the other receivers. I mean, I think Patrick Turner obviously is playing better than he has in his career, uh, at you know, to this point. I, I think a lot of it is that you know he's surrounded by really good receivers right now, and I think teams can't cover him the way that he was covered last year.
1: I agree with you, and uh, some of the credit too, I think, has to go to the running game because that the play-action pass did not work against Oregon State. Every time Mark would, you know, they kind of do that long play action. You you kind of hand it to the one side, fake the handoff to the one side, and then he rolls out the other way. And every time he did that at Oregon State, there was a defender there waiting for him. But they had a good running game going against Oregon, and that play action pass opened up a lot of stuff for them.
4: Yeah, the numbers weren't crazy prolific. I mean, it wasn't like they ran for 250 yards on the ground or anything like that. Yeah, 150. is
1: mean, it like... not bad, you know.
4: Yeah, it, I mean, it was, it, was, it was good, you know. I think, though, you're right. I mean, I think it's the same thing. I think another guy that, you know, who's been much maligned after the Oregon State game and probably rightfully so is, you know, is offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian, you know? I mean, and I thought he called a fantastic game against Oregon. I mean, the play that they ran on fourth and two to to get the touchdown to Damian Williams, it's a play they've run before once, and they ran it again. When teams give them a specific defensive look, and that's what they call it, it's going to be a touchdown. I mean, they've run it twice, and they've gotten two touchdowns. And pretty good, that's a pretty good batting average, calling that play. And obviously, that was just a huge play in they game, really demoralizing play. Um, You know, your defense is on the field, Oregon's defense is on the field with a chance to, you know, to, to hold USC off the board. And, you know, boom, instead of that, I mean, you know, it's a touchdown, and the game just, you know, at that point in time, it just becomes laughable.
1: All right, then, uh, looking on the defensive side of the ball, the last point of that game, uh, Pete Carroll was really happy with the way Brian Cushing moved over and played that middle linebacker spot. For those that know, you know, Ray Maluga was out with his knee, uh, so Brian Cushing moves over, even though he's playing with a cast on his hand, and he ended up dropping an interception. I was right behind him on the field on that play. I could, I mean, not right on the field, but I was behind him, like, at the angle-wise, and
5: that, you were playing
1: safety? Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was taking Taylor Mays' spot. But I, you know, I saw the quarterbacks. I, he threw it right to, to Brian Cushing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I almost forgot about it, the cast at the time. I'm like, he dropped that. I can't believe it. But yeah, it was, uh, because he had that cast on, but you know, Mike Morgan came in, played a half until he got a concussion. He did a pretty good job on the strong side linebacker spot. They moved some guys around on the defensive line, but specifically Brian Cushing. I mean, Pete Carroll really did like his play in this game.
4: Yeah, no, yeah, Brian Cushing, you know, one of the defensive MVPs in the game. Um, looked very, very comfortable in the middle linebacker spot. Um, played, you know, obviously he plays with great intensity, which is something you definitely want out of your middle linebackers. He's a very smart football player, and, and that makes a big difference. And then, you know, you, you, uh, you, know, you mentioned Mike Morgan. I think
2: after we watched some
4: of that game, um, especially the first half, I think we have to curb some of our enthusiasm on Mike Morgan a little bit. Um, you know, he did finish with eight tackles, but most of them were assisted tackles. I'm not sure that he's physical enough right now at this point to to, to close um, by himself on somebody. He's certainly around the ball though, which is is a big is a good first step. I mean, young um, too, and obviously, you know, you'd like to. He, you know, you've seen him. He's he's a skinny guy. I was talking to uh, to Ted on um, the pac Ten blog for ESPN for ESPN.com, and he mentioned how Mike Morgan. Reminded him of a small forward, that that's kind of what he looks like. His body is kind of like a small forward, and, and and like you know, that's I kind of I see that, and I think you know, I mean physically I'm not sure that he's able at this point in time, to you know, buy himself ramp up a, a physical player, maybe a tight end or you know a fullback in the flat or something like that, but the fact that he you know he showed good instincts and he's around the ball, he, he made some nice plays. I mean I think that's a big positive.
1: Definitely, he's a guy who came out of Texas, and uh, he's a sophomore. I think people have been waiting for him to put on weight for quite a while, and I've talked to him about it a few times. It seems like he has a hard time. I don't think he's opposed to uh, putting on weight, and he'll say he's like—I think he says he's two twenty or something like that. But I, I wouldn't think so. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like six,
4: Yeah, he's a, skinny, he's a skinny
1: dude. Yeah, I'm like six three, two hundred pounds, and I—I yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I weigh more than him, but I mean it's pretty close. <laughs> I don't know. I think you gets should wrestle at next practice, and we'll see. Well, yeah. We'll figure that I'm out. I'm sure he could – yeah. We don't even want to talk about that. He would destroy me, but I'm just saying size-wise, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, so with him out, he's been out at practice this week. Let's uh, look ahead a little bit to Arizona State, a team that's struggling themselves. Luther Brown, who's been out with a back injury for quite a while. He was mm-hmm. getting – yeah, I know. Luther Brown, he was getting some first-team reps in there.
4: <laughs> yeah, you know, he still hasn't been cleared to play yet, which is kind of weird, but um, – you know, I, I think it's kind of just a formality at this point. You know, he's been practicing, um, you know, for three weeks almost, it seems like. Um, you know, going at, at pretty close to full speed. He's been at full speed this week. He says he's fine. I mean, if if he's able to go and if Morgan, you know, I mean, Pete Carroll says Mike Morgan's fine. I mean, that, that they're just, you know, they're being cautious because it's a concussion. You know, if Mike Morgan's available, um, I think Ray is going to play. Is what my gut tells me at this yeah. point in time, too, anyway. So, I mean, this is probably a non strong side. But, you know, I think uh, they'll do some stuff. They'll rotate guys in. I mean, the linebacker core at the beginning of the season was just unquestionably the thinnest on the team. I mean, you had injuries. You guys like Gallipo, Luther Brown. I mean, you know, there were question marks about, you know, what what Mike Morgan could, could give you, really. You know, and, and they were, you know, Cushing, Kaluka, Maiavo, Clay Matthews, and <clears> – <throat> And Ray took a ton of reps in the fall, in spring camp. I, I'm sorry, in, in, in summer camp or fall camp. Yeah. What is it, fall camp? Fall camp. Winter Is it winter camp? Okay, now that I've hit all four seasons, not, now we're good. Um, but, yeah, you know, I mean, it, <laughs> those guys You know, those guys took tons of reps. And now you look at it, and, and it's, you know, now that is back and Luther Brown is back and Mike Morgan showed that he can make plays. You know, it's it's a much deeper unit at this point in time, and I think that they'll be able to do some things, rotate some guys in. You know, I think you'll probably, if all of those guys are healthy and all of those guys are able to play, I think you're going to see all of them.
1: All right. Well, let, let's look at Arizona State a little bit. I know uh, uh, Coach Erickson couldn't be on the conference call, but we did get some quotes from him uh, at another time. It, you know, it's a team that's struggling. They're 2-3. and three. They lost, you know, three in a row, just got beat by Cal, beat by Georgia pretty good before that. And of course, that huge upset loss that they had at home. Uh, so, I, I mean, on paper, I mean, you thought coming into this game, this would be two teams that were vying for the Pac-10 championship. You know, they're were, they're were going to be yes. at the top of the board, right? Obviously, that's not the case right now. Even though they only have one Arizona State only has one Pac-10 loss, just like USC. But they're just kind of in a, they're struggling right now. Does you? I mean, do you think this could be one of those letdown games that uh, USC's been kind of famous for over the years?
4: I don't think so because those games—I mean, with the with one glaring exception—they typically don't happen at home. Uh, you know, um, I think that's part of it. I think that this team turned a corner last week in its preparation. I mean, they know at this point in time. I think they know what a second loss does to them. Um, you know, I mean, obviously at, the, at this time, in the season, second loss would be devastating. In fact, and I mean, it, that only—I mean, that, it hurts your chances at this point to go to the Rose Bowl with a second loss in the conference. You know, I mean, and and that. You know the feeling I think that I get around this team is sort of that you know the Rose Bowl is almost like a consolation prize. I mean this team's playing for national title. I mean they're that talented, they're that good. You know that's where they that's the game they should be playing in. That's the game they're working towards playing in. Um, you know I think that as a, the, that they're focused on that. I think that the fact that they're healthy, um, predominantly on defense right now, I feel like they're pretty healthy. Um, you know, I, I just I like where this team's at right now. I like the mental state. Um, I've been looking at Arizona State stuff, trying to figure out what, what's what been wrong, and I'd be curious to get your opinion on this over those last few games. I mean, I look at it, and I come to one conclusion, and that's that their offense is bad. Um, they don't have a good offense. It's not a good offense. <laughs> I mean, you know, they can't run the ball. Passing numbers have gotten worse and worse each week. Um, Their rushing numbers have gotten worse and worse each week. Um, you know, they're just bad on offense.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think they've been, they've been they've under. The next opinion I bring to the table. They are bad on offense. Wow. Thanks, Dan. I mean, we, no one can get this kind of insight anywhere, but uh, that's good. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, they haven't had 300 yards of total offense the last couple of weeks, you know, and that's. This isn't the NFL where you can win games that way. You can't win games, especially in the Pac-10. 300 yards, you need 300 yards passing, not just 300 yards total offense.
4: Yeah, they had three, they had 373 against UNLV in a the game they lost. Again, they went into overtime. But, you know, 212 yards against Georgia, which is a good defense. 236 yards against Cal, though, eh, I man, that doesn't nice. really do it for me. I mean, they're, they're putting the ball on the ground. I mean, they, they fumbled four times against Cal. They only lost one, but they fumbled four times. You know, Rudy Carpenter's been not very effective. He may not even play, you know, at this point. They could go to to Danny Sullivan, who's their backup. And some uh, fun facts on Danny Sullivan's season so far. Um, he has completed approximately one more pass than either you or I have <laughs> all year. And, and I was playing on, safety, remember. So Yeah, and even more interesting is we've thrown for one more yard than him. Because he, that pass was for a uh, for a loss of a yard. Wow. So, yeah, I mean that's that's what he's done so far. And that was against Northern Arizona, which, out of the directional Arizona schools, is one of, is one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, there's you know, a, the, a lot uh, of rich rich tradition there at uh, Northern Arizona. Now the Carpenter. Defenses. Yeah, Carpenter's still up in the air. Um, did they give any update on his injury?
4: Uh, no, they haven't said anything about Rudy Carpenter yet. He's in a boot. Um he's he's limping around it, you know. It's kinda of interesting. I mean this game, you know, should have could have been two of the best uh, quarterbacks in the in the Pac ten, you know, when healthy, Rudy Carpenter and Mark Sanchez. Could be Mitch Mustaine and Danny Sullivan. Um and it'd be interesting to see how much that would change the game. But, you know, I think um, you know I think if if Carpenter can play, he will. Um he's a tough guy. He's made a bunch of starts in a row. I think like thirty three or something yeah, like that, something consecutive ridiculous, starts. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, he's played through injuries before. The interesting thing is, though, is that if he's not 100%, Dennis Erickson said that they don't want to use him. And they, that they want to heal him. They want him to be healthy. They don't want to play him if he's not, you know, at his best. So, I mean, I think they're preparing for Danny Sullivan to start. Um, I'm not sure that that's the thing for them. But, you know, I mean... I don't know how much how much people uh, thought the Pritchard last year though either, right? I mean, he was. Uh, am, am I? Am I in saying that? I mean, he yeah, should, yeah. I,
1: I, I think it's different just because Arizona State. I mean, when you have that, they have that established guy. This was supposed to be a good team. You know, everyone thought this is going to be a really good team. Stanford wasn't going to be a good team. I mean, the, I think the backup there is kind of like as good as the starter. I mean, I mean, no one even knew who those people were. I mean, you obviously know who Rudy Carpenter is. There's going to be a drop off uh, from that, and I, just because he started 33 games in a row doesn't mean he's all that good. I mean, he's had he struggled, you know, many times during his career. But I, I think this could be, you know, a deer in the headlights where just the, the you know USC racks up a whole bunch of sacks in this game if they, you know, if they have the backup going in there, it, it could get pretty ugly and pretty early.
4: Yeah, I think they'll tee off. If it's solid, they're going to tee off on him. Obviously, you know, you bring a guy in like that to make his first career start, and he's got to do it against one of the, the most intimidating defenses in the in, in the country. He's got to do it at one of the most intimidating venues in the country. I, I mean, I, th- I think you're going to, I think they'll be found, to quote Bonnie Burns. Um, you know, I think that's what they'll do. Um, and for, of course, now he'll throw for about
1: 350 yards, now that we said that.
4: Yeah right. Well, I mean, I, I think that's what the, I mean. I think that they'll be aggressive. I mean, from what we've seen from them, you know, I do think though too that there is something to be said about you know not having information on somebody. I mean, that's hurt this team in the past. I mean, you know, I mean, you saw it on the first drive against Oregon. Um, you know, I feel like they didn't really know. They weren't prepared really for what Oregon State was going to do. They really weren't. Um, and, you know, obviously they come out at halftime to make adjustments, they fix things, and then they do well. I mean, B. Carroll said as much, you know, after the game Saturday, was that, I mean, you guys see it. He said, You guys see this, you know, we start slow. And, and I think when you don't have information on somebody like this, it's almost like, you know, baseball teams have done this for years. For, um, the White Sox, specifically, was when teams would call up guys from the minors, guys who were good at pitchers, but guys they had never seen before, they struggled. Sh- like, they could not hit those guys. And that, and that, to me, is, you know, a little bit of a concern when you're dealing with something that's such an unknown. I mean, with Rudy Carpenter, like you said, you know, he does have some in his, in his uh, skill package that they can exploit. I mean, Danny Sullivan, I mean, the only thing they really know about him is that Nick Holt recruited him. At, you know, when he was in high school. I mean, this is a guy who's a junior, though, now. I mean, like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, he's not better, better than Rudy Carpenter if he's starting. But, I mean, you know, he, he's a different kind of player. I mean, obviously, every quarterback is different, and he's got different strengths. Just like the USC offense would look different with Mitch Mustaine or Aaron Corpett quarterback, you know, obviously, the Arizona State offense is going to look a little different than he saw at the at quarterback.
1: I'm still a little baffled that you worked a Chicago White Sox uh, reference into the podcast. I think with their elimination, we're going to have to eliminate talking about the white Sox until uh spring training or something is that a good i was gonna
4: say especially especially this week too you know it's um it's been it's been an emotional ride for me i'm not gonna lie yes. you know it's been full of ups and downs i mean you've been around here, I've been miserable more miserable than
1: usual i know you, um, you can be pretty miserable
4: i know it's, it's been sad but no but i mean honestly though that's just something i mean like it's one of those things that i think is different in, in, in all sports i mean like I mean, it happens in basketball when guys, you know, come off the bat and guys you're not really prepared for, guys you don't really have scouted that well, and they come out and they have the game of their lives.
1: Yeah, you even know, even when pitchers are when when pitchers are something, switch leagues, just go American to National. I mean, I think you see that kind of stuff all the time. So we'll have to see. Yeah. But I, I think one thing Pete Carroll will probably get more aggressive. I mean, he does like to. He's got all these athletes, and for some reason, sometimes he keeps the uh, keeps them on a leash. I think if they if they do put out that that young quarterback the the way they did it last year against Stanford he didn't let the dogs just run at him you know he didn't sick him mm-hmm. I think he would do that yeah. now just because he you know, you know I should have just went after that Pritchard guy you know all day long and he didn't and he he got burned by it so you know we'll see if he uh, but I learned yeah yeah no me... most
4: definitely I mean I think you know it'll be. Obviously, it's, it's going to be. It's an important. It's at this juncture in the every game is important for USC. I mean, after that's what happens when you lose your opener in, in the conferences. You've got to you've got to win football games, and you know they don't really have room, you know, to be complacent at this point. You know, I think that that's something that they're still fighting. I think that's something that they're going to have to fight for a while because when you look around the conference with injuries, with other things, I mean, this was a, this wasn't that dangerous of a league to begin with. I mean. I, in reality. And now, you know, it, it looks, I mean, Arizona state, you know, looks less dangerous than they did, you know, four weeks ago. You know what I mean? So you, they have to fight that complacency. I mean, you know, the, the guys on the USC team, I mean, they they look around, I mean, they know, they know what's happening around the conference. They know what teams are winning, what teams are losing. And, you know, that's, it, it all goes into how they approach the game. Um, you know, they've had a good week of practice so far. Uh, they've looked good. I think they're getting healthier. I think probably Mark Sanchez will probably play if I had to guess at this point. Um, you know, just from, uh, from seeing him move around, um, from hearing what the doctors had to say Tuesday night, you know, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna increase his workload again today. And, and it's kind of like, um, you know, it's what, it's sort of like what happened in the lead of Virginia was, you know, every day they just let him do a little bit more and they're going to see how it responds it's clear that he's tough in it in the way, I mean, he's been remarkably lucky, you know, at least his right leg has been remarkably lucky, and, you know, he's been able to, uh, I'm sorry, his his left leg, I apologize, um, has been remarkably lucky, and he's been able to, you know, withstand these injuries, and it's, 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 I mean, I think that obviously this season could be a lot different, you know, if he doesn't get up twice now you know where he's gotten up and he's been kind of you know he's dodged major bullets
1: certainly i agree with you all right dan well that's all the time we have for this segment is this is dan Wykey of uscfootball.com our lovely beat writer he does a great job check it out on the website oh, lovely. lovely lovely dan he's
4: call me lovely again that was uh, boy you're buttering me up right
1: now i'm just trying to I appreciate it. trying to build you up here i've teared you down i'm trying to build you up but dan thanks for joining us today all right, thanks, Ron. All right, stay tuned, everyone else. we we'll are have a really quick break. We'll come back with Gerard Martinez and talk some USC recruiting.
0: You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California.
3: Hey, USC Trojan fans. To get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to USCfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com Network.
0: It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.
1: We're back for our final segment of this week's Peristyle Podcast. Everybody's favorite segment when we get to talk to Gerard Martinez, the USCfootball.com recruiting expert. Gerard, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I know everyone's uh, talking about the team, of course. It's really important, everything that's going on with uh, USC, trying to climb their way back up through the top ten and get back to that number one spot. But where those players come from, it's all from recruiting. So I just wanted to give you uh, get a little update from you, on some of the big names out there that is recruiting. Does that sound all right? That sounds great. Okay. Well, hey, the biggest name everybody knows. Even people that aren't recruiting fans, I think, know this name, Matt Barkley. He's all over TV. He's all over Rivals.com. He's the number one ranked person, number one ranked player, according to Rivals.com, right at the top of that Rivals 100 list. Six-foot-three, 225-pound quarterback out of modern day. uh, They end up losing – I believe it was the Friday game they played. They're they're only 3-2 and two right now and kind of struggling a little bit. Uh, Barkley's thrown you know, a, a lot of interceptions. Just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what's going on with Barkley and if you think he's overrated at all being that number one player in the country.
5: I don't think he's overrated. I think he's definitely still the best quarterback in the country. And if you're talking about the best quarterback in the country – uh, he's going to be rated high. I mean, that's just uh, its that money-value position. You see it in the NFL draft, and it's the same thing with recruiting. Uh, I think with Matt, you know, he's got a team that's very young. He's got a young offensive line. He's got uh, some inexperienced receivers. And athletically, uh, modern day is not there uh, as an offense. They don't have many skilled players that are great breakaway threats. So they have Victor Blackwell, who's a sophomore, who's a receiver, who's been really excellent for them this year. And he's kind of the only guy that can really make a play happen by himself. Barkley is the other guy. And Barkley, is, you know, he's had a lot of pressure in his face this season. Uh, He has thrown some picks. A lot of those interceptions, to be honest with you, have been tipped balls. Um, he's throwing a lot of balls that are maybe a little too hard for his receivers to handle, and there's been a lot of tip passes. And uh, He's in double digits of interceptions this year, and that's something that, uh, I mean, he, he's passed, I think, the point of where he was last year in total interceptions for the whole junior season. Um, but again, it, it's really not all on him. He's got a lot of things that he's got to deal with. I mean, Matt Barkley, as Coach Wallinson said after the last game, doesn't block, doesn't tackle. <laughs> there's a lot of aspects to the football game um, that uh, modern day is not accomplishing, and it doesn't just all fall on Matt Barkley. But, you know, a lot of people are going to look at him. They're going to criticize him because he's at that marquee position. And I think um, as a person, as a young man, he handles that well, and, and he knows what's coming.
1: All right. Well, that's good. Uh, one of the uh, potential receivers he could be throwing to when it comes to USC is uh, Alshon Jeffrey from Calhoun County. Uh, he's one of those East Coast guys. Calhoun's uh, 6-0, it looks like, on the season. They're doing pretty well. He had a big game, six catches, 122 yards.
5: Yeah, Alshon has uh, had a great season. I mean, uh, that that team there, Calhoun County. Uh, they're looking like a state championship contender. And Alshon and his little brother, uh, Shamir, both are coming off a state championship in basketball too. So, I mean, this is a guy that that knows how to win. And obviously when you talk about USC bringing in recruits that have that attitude, that have those expectations, uh, that's a very good thing. I mean, you want guys who don't want to lose. And Alshon this season has been excellent. And, you know, he's got six catches for 122 yards receiving. That's pretty good per catch. I mean, he's a guy that's making a lot of plays, um, you know, the yak yard. After he catches the ball, he's making plays, and that's good to see. in a guy that's you know good six three, two hundred fifteen pounds. So he's had an excellent season. They're six and zero, uh, and they've really been uh, they've been blowing some teams out. And at this point, they haven't really been challenged too much. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, Alshon, you know, he's he's definitely looking like a guy that USC they're trying to keep hold hold on to him and and try to keep that commitment.
1: All right. Well, uh, one of the more inter- interesting recruits, I think, at least. Uh, Los Angeles Jordan High School, James Boyd. I got to see him down there on the sidelines of the uh, USC uh, Oregon game at the Coliseum, and I, he'll probably be out there this weekend for Arizona State as well. Uh, and I, I think people got to watch him on TV a little bit when he went up. if for, uh, Correct me if I'm not mistaken, but he went up against uh modern day and he went up against Matt Barkley. He's a defensive end prospect, but he was yeah. actually playing quarterback. He's thrown for 409 yards this year. I, I think the program's kind of young, not a lot of guys in there. Can you kind of explain the program a little bit and what kind of recruit James Boyd is?
5: Well, James Boyd actually threw for 409 yards just in that game against Modern Uh He actually had 73 pass attempts and that was the most in Cal, uh, California state history. So it's a guy who's being recruited as a defensive end by USC, and as a quarterback, he's throwing the ball 73 times a game. Um, that was the week before last. This last week, they actually had a bye week. And uh, I mean, they're one in three, Jordan, uh, but that's a team that you know they feel 28 players. It's not a big team. It's a team in a rough neighborhood. A lot of those kids have to go through a lot to stay in school, to get good grades, to play football. And I think you know James Boyd's kind of a little bit. Of a leader. He's kind of a little bit uh, of, a, of a shot caller, if you will, in this class. I think he and Chris Metcalf are two guys um, that get overlooked. But uh, when you talk about the bond with the inner city kids, the, the, the city section kids, Randall Carroll and, and Byron Moore and Morel Presley, you know, those guys get along. And, you know, James Boyd is one of those guys who's been a leader. He's very vocal. And, you know, USC, I mean, you're bringing in a guy that has great awareness Uh, You know he's playing quarterback, so he's smart. He understands football at maybe a greater level. He knows what to look for. So that's not a bad thing to have on defense. Uh, A lot of USC's better defensive players throughout the years, guys like Tatupu play quarterback in high school.
1: Yeah, it should be interesting. I think a lot of the uh, USC fans are going to like this kid, especially when they get to see him more and he gets to come on campus and stuff. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch him. But, yeah, watching that game, I I misspoke. 409 yards in that game passing. That's kind of crazy. 73 pass attempts for a defensive end. Not too bad. Um, one of the guys that we're going to talk about who's actually not committed to USC, uh, Shaquille Evans, I mean, he definitely has a lot of interest at SC. He was uh, also on the sidelines for that uh, USC win, 44-10 to uh, over Oregon. His team, Inglewood, got shut out by Gardena, 13 nothing. but he did have six catches for 100 yards.
5: Yeah, real young team. Um, he's really trying to be a leader for that team, trying to be a guy uh, that can kind of... Uh, set an example... Um, it's tough because, you know, obviously when you're playing receiver and if your quarterback isn't a good quarterback – you're not going to get the ball a whole lot. So, you know, some of those passes, I mean, to get six passes in the game. For him, it, it, it's uh, a lot of that stuff he's having to work for himself. It's not one of those deals where, you know, he's got a big-time quarterback back there and he can just run past people. There's a lot of passes, a lot of touchdown opportunities that are missed. And Shaquille Evans, you know, early in the season, I think he was really frustrated by that. But uh, he's growing. You know, he's starting to understand that, you know what, I'm the star on this team, but I have to be a star for my players and not just for the guys and the fans and the coaches and everybody on the stands you've got to be able to be an example and in between plays, you know, on the sidelines, it's how you react, it's how you talk to the coaches, it's how you talk to your teammates and communicate to them. Um, it's a lot about those intangibles and he's starting to learn that with the rough season this year. Um, uh, Shaquille Evans actually took a uh, official visit to Notre Dame um, last weekend and liked it a lot. Sounds like it's going to be uh, a real tough decision for him between Notre Dame and USC, and he's still looking at UCLA a bit. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't know if he's going to make a decision anytime soon. Uh, he may wait and take an unofficial visit uh, to one of the Pac-10 schools, may even take a, an official visit up the Cows from what I hear, uh, but uh, he, he's a guy that um, – I think with USC being so stacked at receiver, uh, Notre Dame offers him a a lot of opportunity. Uh, The big issue is the distance factor, and he's going to have to leave home, and it's tough for a lot of these guys to leave home.
1: All right, well, uh, yeah, USC is stacked at receiver, but there's another guy that's, uh, you know, USC has some interest in, Rolando Jefferson. He had a couple of touchdown passes in uh, Fresno Edison's win over Buchanan. What can you tell us about him?
5: Well, I mean, Rolando is just a spectacular player. He was a guy that... uh, You know, at the beginning of the year, almost ranked as a five-star recruit. Uh, If you watch him on film, he's explosive. He might be one of the better players in the state. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the grades to back that up, and he's really working hard in the classroom to try to get back in uh, to being in a qualifying area. Uh, USC, you know, they're going to look at him. They're going to wait on him, but um, a lot of these schools, I think, are backing off because they want to see what he does in the classroom. Everybody knows that on the field, he's a superior athlete, and he would be a guy that would have an offer already if, if, uh, if, if USC he felt like it wasn't too much of a gamble to offer him so that's a kid who had a huge game he had two big time uh, touchdown receptions he had uh, a 90 something yard uh, touchdown uh, return on a kickoff against the Dominguez High School a couple weeks ago uh, just athletically when you talk to people about him they just marvel he's a guy that can fly up in the air and get the ball he's a guy that can run past people uh, at 6'2 almost 6'3 he's got great moves as well he's really a, a good moves guy uh, a lot of instincts in space and he knows how to get upfield. so just an all around great player, had a great weekend. Um and we'll see, you know, we'll see if he's able to uh to hit the books and, and make up some stuff and, and be able to get into the classes and you know, maybe some schools will take a take a take a shot at him. I mean it's it's definitely, you know, talent wise. It, it might be worth just throwing a scholarship offer and, and, and crossing your fingers, you know.
1: Yeah, I know. That uh makes sense. And then one last guy, Gerard wanted to talk about. He's uh, Randall Carroll, five foot eleven, hundred and seventy five pound. Uh, receiver plays defensive back as well. His team's just been rolling this year. They're 4 0. Cathedral beat up on Eagle Rock 42 to 7. Doesn't look like even he's getting that much playing time because his team's winning so badly each week.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of blowouts, and, and I think, again, some teams are just using him as a decoy. Um, they play in that slot option type offense, uh, kind of similar to what Florida runs. So he does rush the ball a lot. You know, he does get some handoffs, um, but in terms of passing, you know, he eats he's really hasn't been used the way, you know, he could be used. He's just a big-time weapon and uh, we actually have a a little bit of an editorial piece uh go up on him today uh, talking about the difference between him playing cornerback and playing receiver and uh at this point, you know, a lot of the uh the the evidence, the data uh to support him playing one position over another really points to receiver uh just with what he's done through the years. So, you can check that out at USC, uscfootball.com one of our our first uh, recruiting op pieces. Um, I'm sure there'll be more to come.
1: Yeah, and one of the new features uh, provided by Gerard Martinez. You can check that out on the front page of uscfootball.com right now. Gerard Martinez, that's all the time we have for this segment. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. All right. It's always good to get your insights, Gerard. And thank you to everyone else out there listening to the Peristyle Podcast. We'll be back in one week talking more about USC football.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Parastyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.